Welcome to the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association Leadership Podcast, a podcast designed to encourage pastors, to equip leaders, and to engage the community with the saving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Jeremy Randolph. Today's episode of the podcast is a bonus episode. I sat down with Carrie John Eford, a local author, businessman, and writer for the Pittsburgh paper. We spoke about his book, Road to Recovery to L and Back. We spoke about how he came to know Jesus as his Savior and what his life has looked like over the past several decades. We hope you enjoy this bonus episode. Carrie John is author of a book, Road to Recovery to L and Back. Now listen, it's to L and Back. Not what you thought you heard. <laughs> That's what I thought I heard the first time. Tell us what the L is exactly. Have you ever heard of Terrell State Hospital? When I was a kid growing up, all of the adults tell the kids, if y'all don't behave, you're driving me to, you're gonna drive me to Terrell. Amen? Man, I think I still hear it around here. Well I got driven to Terrell in a straight deck by the sheriff's department. So when I settled in down there, you know, they don't give you a key to that place. You have to settle in. I was on L Ward and the book is intended to be a play on words to L and back. Although the road to recovery from Terrell State Hospital was one of God's richest blessings in my life. So let me ask you, what sent you to Terrell? Well, I was big. I was just being transported. Had been just been transported from uh, Mount Pleasant Jail by the sheriff's department and delivered to my mother and daddy's uh, front yard. And I, they didn't know. I mean, I didn't know, but they had already uh, commenced the papers so they they could commit me to Terrell State Hospital. So when they let me out, it wasn't just a minute, then the sheriff came and it was just, it was New Year's Eve, 1984. And it was the sheriff, Elwanger's first night on duty. I mean, he got me. And so they came and got me. It took four people to get me in the car and eight to get me out. And when they got me out, put me in jail, they called a doctor, shot me full of Thorazine, and put me in a straitjacket, and there I stayed until I went to Terrell. What it is, is I'm bipolar, manic depressive. And what, what I was doing was drinking all the time. I drank from the time I was 14 years old until I was 33 years old, and I haven't had a drink since then, after God got a hold of me. And he made uh, a difference, made that difference in my life to to be able to recover from alcohol. Is that good enough? Yeah, that's, and I don't want to say that's great. (laughs) It it is great now, brother. It is great. So in your book, you said, and I'm I'm just going to quote you here. I hated to hear anyone talk about Jesus. His name made me cringe with shame and with guilt. 
So how did Jesus finally get a hold of you if you didn't even want to hear his name? Well, when I hear it now, it still raises the hair on the back of my neck because I'm a sinner, right? And I know that I'm not anything but that. I'm just saved by grace. It happened pretty quick after I got to Terrell. I was there about two months. And something told me, it was like a voice, you know, said, Carrie John, you don't have to live in places like this anymore. Of course, you know, when you hear from God in Terrell State Hospital, you don't go to the doctor and tell him God just spoke to you. That's an automatic eight months more. So, so brother, I, I kept that to me, but I, I did feel like that I was healed at that very moment. And it changed my perspective. It changed my way of thinking. It changed my participation level. It changed everything about me to the point to where I was actually praying and I was actually making notes and I would write and I started writing and that a lot of those notes are in that book so it, it was just a start for me and I didn't know what God was doing with me I knew he was doing something and uh, he made all the difference in my life just by that one Clear, it's, it's called a moment of clarity if you want to be safe saying anything about that God spoke to you to say it was a moment of clarity but you knew it was God but if you tell somebody else I mean I believe you so we're going to back up and, and I'm going to spoiler alert I'm going to talk about one of your tattoos Oh yeah. I know you've got it covered up yeah. you've got a name tattooed on your arm right it's Gabriel so tell us tell us who Gabriel is I had been out of out of Terrell uh, uh, and sober for 12 years. I was married, Debbie. I had started a business. Uh, I tried to grow it too fast. Here, I'm going to blame it on everything, okay? But what really happened was I quit taking care of myself on my mental illness. I quit taking my meds. I quit sleeping. I quit resting properly. I, I just did everything backwards from what I was supposed to be doing because I, and I was under a lot of pressure because I was deeply into debt. I mean, to the, to the point that it had to, you know, I had to have 40,000 a month every month just to pay my employees. And I was the only salesman. And so I was out in the evening uh, on a boulevard down near Dallas, downtown Dallas. And I was listening to those voices in my head, the bipolar, I didn't know what I was listening to, but it all sounded clear, you know, and I needed to do this. And I, I, I just was driving too fast. It was dark. And I ran into the back of a guy sitting still in a Jeep, and I was driving the Jeep. Anyway, I hit him, and he, he uh, turned around in the air, turned around, and my car flew up, landed on its side with the door up, and... I, at the time I hit, I was perfectly fine. I heard an explosion. I knew intuitively what it happened. His car had exploded into flames. And with the, well, I had a lot of energy and I flung the door open and catapulted myself out. And I looked and there were two people over there by his car and they were saying, get him out. Somebody help him, get him out. And I ran over there and I looked in 
and I knew I was going to get him out, but I had to wait for his seatbelt to burn off before I could reach in. And and, and as, as things happen, when the seatbelt burned off, the the flames just parted like parted like the Red Sea kind of deal. And I reached in. I said, "Come on, buddy, let's get out of here." And he uh, he reached up and got it. He was six foot two, two hundred forty five pounds, seventeen years old, had a young wife and a, and a young baby, eight month old boy. Pulled him out, had him up walking. His clothes were burned off of him. The crowd from the apartment came down. Anyway, he died the next morning at three forty five on uh, October the 2nd, and his name was Gabriel. Uh, I, I was in depression, I went to depression, I was sick. Uh, I mean, I knew what I had done, I knew what it meant when I had done it and killed that young boy. I, I was down and out, and my, my wife uh, was always coming up with something to say to me, and she said, Terry John, just don't let that boy's life go in vain. And I have tried to do that ever since, to live my life for Jesus. The only thing that didn't burn in his car, you can take this for what it means, was his Bible that he carried. It was laying on the floorboard when they found it. So I know books don't burn and fires real good, but his was, you know, not, his, his didn't, the Bible didn't burn. He was carrying the Bible. So that meant a lot to me. My name was Gabriel. I tattooed it on my arm. And I've got his scars, his fingerprints over here on this, this arm here. So through all of that, obviously, you carry that with you. You see it on your arm every day. Uh, but at the same time, Christ lives in you. Yes. He is your comforter. He is your peace. How does your life look different today because of Christ? Well, um, I, I try to do more of what he says. I try to study the Bible, and I try to talk to him, and I try to listen to him more than I talk. And I spend a lot of time in prayer and meditations in my morning prayers. Uh, I'd like to tell just one story that Debbie and I uh, moved out on the farm that we that I grew up the house I grew up in. You know, I was reading the story of the rich young ruler, and he said, "Lord, what can I do to inherit the kingdom of God?" And he said, "Sell everything you have and help the needy." And he walked away sad. And I said, "Lord, I'm going to take you up on that offer." And so we sold everything we have, lock, stock, and barrel, including the watch off my wrist for a dollar I sold it the other day. So everything. He let me keep the tractor and the lawnmower so I could bone the yard up there on the ministry grounds, but that's that's everything we got. So that kind of thing is always, I mean, I'm always listening to what his stories mean to me and how I can implement them in my life. And that's one big one that it's recent. And uh, the other big one was when we started the tithe back in 2004. So you're also, you've written your book, but you're also writing for the Pittsburgh paper and you're sharing the gospel through the Pittsburgh paper. I think the first article that they posted was a great gospel presentation on the difference between a holy and righteous God and sinful man. God's, God's doing things in and through you. Yes, and then they, the, the, the editor likes them. I don't know if he's trying to fill up the paper or what, but now he puts it in in the three three counties, uh, Titus, 
Count and Morris. So, and one man just came up to me today. There you are, Mr. Martin back there. He said, "Man, I recognize your name from the paper." And it wasn't the jail log this time. <laughs> <laughs> they do give more column space to the jail log than they do to you. <laughs> yeah. So you're writing for the paper. You've written the book. You're promoting the book. What's next on the horizon for you and your family? Well, we do have the ministry going. To explain that, we are a fundraising ministry. That's what we do. That's our spirit. That's all we do. We raise funds, money for ministries that are already established, like Ruth Haven, Expectant Heart, uh, and just any ministry that's out there. And so we use our funds for what we raise. And we will have our own TV channel, have special speakers. Uh, we're gonna have people that have been, that are recovered in the name of Jesus on the hot seat here telling their story. And those things work so well because telling the story that you have, that Jesus has done for you in your life is one of the most important things that we can do. And everybody's got one and it's not boring, but you can tell your story and tell others what Jesus has done for you and they can't deny it because it happened to you that's what's telling the story that's why I tell my story at every opportunity that's going to bring this episode of the podcast to a close we want to thank you for listening if you'd like more information on Carrie John and his ministry you can visit his website at www.roadtorecovery.life. If you have questions or want to know more about the broader work of our churches that make up the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association, you can visit our website at www.harmonypittsburgh.com. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association Leadership Podcast.